Hi there, and welcome to the Pearls from My Mom podcast. Every mom has special pearls of wisdom she passes on to her kids. In this podcast, we'll be talking about those pearls of wisdom, as well as the life lessons that our moms have passed down to us. We will be sharing to keep the legacy alive. Hello, hello, and welcome to Pearls from My Mom, the podcast. I'm your host, Jessie Kahat, and you may have noticed it's been a while since I've last put out an episode. Life with two kids under 10 can be a crazy one, and the truth is, I've been writing this episode for what seems like ages. I've been reluctant to hit the record button out of pure self-doubt, which, after listening to this episode, you will understand that this is counterintuitive to this episode's message. So thank you for being patient while I worked through my own issues, and thank you for listening today. I've been sitting here listening to a podcast about life-changing moments, and it got me thinking about my own life-changing moments, which I've had a lot of. There are the obvious big life changes, like going to college, getting your first job, getting married, having children, and losing a loved one. And then there are those smaller moments that can have a huge impact on your life. The most recent of those smaller moments for me happened this last summer when I won a radio contest and got the chance to meet my favorite band. I know it may sound like a weird life-changing moment, but hear me out. That event was actually what provoked me to start this podcast. Before I launch into that story, I think it would help if you had some background on why that was a defining moment for me. I'll promise to tie it all in together by the end of the episode, but I can't promise that I won't veer off course along the way. If you've listened to my previous episodes, you may have heard me mention that despite my love for my mom, there was something that she had been saying about me for years that I've recently discovered I really disagree with. It must have started in my mid-twenties, and she continued to say it until she passed away. She told me that I wasn't good at dealing with change. She never said it as a direct criticism or attack on my personality. She said it in a loving way with no malicious intent at all, like most moms do. For years, I believed her because I would see myself getting a little flustered while going through major transition periods in my life. But I always pulled through. Not even just pulled through, I came out the other side being stronger than I had been before. My mom passing away has been one of the biggest changes I have ever gone through. I was lying in bed talking with my husband one night, and I heard him say, Well, you know you're not good with change. I know he meant it lovingly, in the same way my mom did. And I said, you're just saying that because you've heard my mother say it. I don't know what it was, but something about that moment struck me, and I realized that statement about me is incorrect. People who are bad at change don't constantly put themselves in new and different situations. I've always been game to move to a new place or to do something completely out of my comfort zone because I always knew I would end up being okay. I have always been an adventurous person, which has led me to being in a constant state of change. If you're not one of those people, you probably have them in your life. You know that one friend that wants to start a band one day and then become a professional chef the next? That's me. Although not with those particular activities. But now that you mention it, I do like to cook. I get interested by so many different things, and I feel like I could learn them all. I will admit that sometimes it may take a while to adjust to a new situation like moving to a new country in a province where you are the linguistic minority just as I did seven years ago. But if I was really not good at change, wouldn't I have just not done that at all? Seems to me like I would have just stayed in Colorado, where I had family, friends, a job, and familiar surroundings. Over the course of the last 15 years, I have lived in four different states and two countries. 
After months of self-reflection, I have come to realize that I actually quite like change. I welcome the opportunity to experience and learn new things. That's not to say that big changes are easy, but a butterfly doesn't just fall out of its cocoon. It's the struggle to get out that makes it strong enough to spread its wings and fly. I always kind of thought that I was a bit abnormal because I didn't know what my passion and my life's purpose was. Like it seemed as though everyone else did. At least that's what they would lead you to believe on social media. I've had multiple passions and I'm constantly discovering new ones. I was pretty sure that I was an anomaly until I saw a TED Talk by Emily Wapnick that I really connected with, where she called this type of person a multi-potentialite. I recently discovered Emily's website called Putty Like, and I have to say I'm really enjoying reading the articles and tips. It is helpful knowing that there are other people out there like myself. One of the major downfalls for myself being a multi-potentialite is that since I am constantly pursuing a multitude of different passions, I never know if I'm good at any of them. I think this belief was that I was bad at change led to limiting beliefs and serious self-doubt, and I still have a hard time overcoming. Even when people tell me I'm good at something, I'm never really sure. This leads to fear, and that type of fear leads to not pursuing things you love. You may or may not know this, but I started Pearls from my mom as a blog three years ago when my mom was diagnosed with terminal cancer. I wanted to have a space to share stories and recipes and cool DIY tips since my mom was one seriously crafty lady. I wanted it to be a legacy for her, and I also wanted to build a community for others who had lost their moms. My wish was to help people share their stories and pearls of wisdom from the most important lady in their lives as a way to honor them and keep their memory memory alive. I had been listening to podcasts and thought of how nice it would be to be able to talk to these people and have them tell their own stories. I had a huge vision but lacked one crucial element to make it work. Confidence. I wrote a few articles and put them on there, but I was always comparing myself to other blogs who have better graphics or a writing style with more flow than mine. I listened to other podcasts and thought no one would be interested in what I have to say. So I did nothing. Pearls from my mom sat largely unused month after month. It had nothing to do with lack of time or interest, and everything to do with me not feeling like I was good enough. All of this changed one fateful day in July of 2017. I was listening to CBC Radio 1 in the car, and when I heard the host Alan Neal say, Coming up after the break, one lucky listener will win backstage passes to meet the band Muse at Blues Fest. My heart almost exploded. I had seen them in concert three times before, and when I found out they'd be headlighting Ottawa Blues Fest, I had already purchased my tickets. Now hearing on the radio that I could get the chance to meet them, I knew I had to do everything in my power to make that happen. I spent the duration of the traffic and weather break speculating on whether, on what I would have to do to try and win the backstage passes. Would it be Fear Factor style, you know, sitting in a bathtub full of spiders or eating something like barbecued cockroaches? Or would it be American Ninja Warrior-style obstacle course where I would have to race to beat the clock? Whatever it was, I knew I would be victorious. And then my thoughts drifted to how much Muse means to me. The following is an excerpt from a blog post that I wrote in 2013 about the band. Muse holds a very special place in my heart, and my love affair with the band dates back to the year 2005. I was living in Kansas City, I had heard the song Time is Running Out on the radio, and was dazzled by the unique and wonderful sounds coming out of my speakers. I listened for the name of the band, and when the DJ said Muse, I took a mental note. 
Then, on a sunny day at a record store in Overland Park, Kansas, fate led me to them. I was browsing the used CD bin, and my fingers stopped on the Muse album, Absolution. Reading the back, I noticed that the song from the radio was on there, so I immediately purchased it and popped it in the CD player. What filled my ears was magical. I could not believe I had gotten this out of the used CD bin. What fool would sell this album back to the store? The person must have needed money to help pay for an ailing relative's life-saving operation. I made a hasty getaway from the record store, knowing that the person who gave up this amazing CD would surely be filled with remorse and try to reunite with it. There are very few albums in the world that I can just pick up and put in the player and listen to the whole thing. Absolution is that kind of CD. Every song is a delightful piece of ear candy. I had that CD on repeat for weeks, and every time I listened to it, I felt transported into a captivating world full of beautiful music. The sound was so unique. Sure, they were playing pianos, guitars, and drums, but there was so much more to their sound than any other bands I had heard before. And that voice, oh my. Matthew Bellamy bumped Freddie Mercury right out of my top male vocalist of all time spot. If you had not had the pleasure of listening to this album, you are going to want to do yourself a favor and go get it. Your ears, and more importantly, your soul, will thank you. I heard on the radio that Muse would be coming to the Uptown Theater in Kansas City, which is a pretty small venue. There were under 300 people in attendance. And I could not believe it. I ran out and got my tickets right away, and that concert was amazing. I think the concert tickets were like 20 bucks for that concert. There was nothing spectacular about the stage show in terms of the effects or staging, but the music made it one of the best concerts I had ever been to. I was so excited to hear them live, especially my new favorite song, Butterflies and Hurricanes, which to this day is the song that I put on if I need a mood boost. It makes me feel as if I am invincible. You really should check it out. Fast forward four years to a dinner party I randomly attended with a friend. There was this guy there. He was handsome, funny, and charming, not to mention that sexy French-Canadian accent. We talked throughout the night on the balcony about everything from religion to politics. When I discovered Muse on the hostess's iPod, I pressed play and sang at the top of my lungs, and I made that man dance with me under the stars until 4 a.m., That was the night I met and connected with my soulmate and now husband, and I would like to thank Muse for their role in that. Their CD, The Resistance, came out shortly after our first date, and that was the very first gift my hubby ever got me. What a way to win my heart. We ended up dancing to I Belong to You as our first dance on our wedding day. That's the end of the blog post, and now you have a bit of the backstory as to why I wanted to win these concert tickets and backstage passes so badly. The host came back on, Alan Neal, and he said the contest would entail me watching Muse's new video for their song Dig Down, and in only 150 words or less, write a short story about what happens to the heroine after the video ends. And as a bonus challenge, you can use as many Muse song titles in the story as possible. A creative challenge. I knew I had a pretty good shot. I went home and I watched the video and drew up a couple storylines for possible endings. I managed to get 32 song titles in my final submission and sent it off. I was optimistic, but as usual, there was this little voice in the back of my head telling me not to get my hopes up. I heard nothing for a few days, and the concert was only a day away. Finally, on Friday afternoon, the radio host came on and said they would announce the winner. Alan Neal said, 
I think one Muse fan is going to be very happy meeting the band backstage tomorrow. Right as he was saying the winner's name, I was crouched next to the radio in my kitchen. I said my own name at the same time the radio announcer was saying my name, and he went on to read my winning submission. I couldn't believe my ears. I screamed like I'd never screamed before and just about scared the daylights out of my mother-in-law. I tried to explain to her why I was screaming and freaking out like a lunatic, but since we don't speak the same language, I'm not sure it made much sense. I had never gotten to meet someone famous that I admired so much. My dad was a radio DJ, and I went to some concerts and backstage with him when I was little, but they were most smoothly, mostly smooth jazz artists. I was really nervous, and I wasn't sure how it all worked, or if we would be part of a big group. Would we just line up and take a quick pick and send us on our way? Outside of the gates, I met with the host of CBC's All in a Day, Alan Neal, and we waited around for our chance to meet the band. This was a really cool experience by itself. He was a super nice guy, very easy to talk to. And as it turns out, Muse only granted one radio interview, one print interview, and one fan meet and greet. My husband and I got to go into their little backstage area where they've got all their snacks and they had a little tent and everything set up and we got to go meet with them. When it was our turn, we were introduced to Matt, Dom, and Chris. I wasn't sure how long we had to talk with them and I was really trying not to blurt out anything too crazy. I have a history of being kind of awkward and saying weird things when I'm nervous, as most of us do, I think. I asked Dom if this kind of thing was fun for him, and he smiled and said yes. I handed Chris a thank you card I had written as a way of letting them know that their music has been an important part of my life for over a decade. This was a page straight out of my mom's book of manners. She instilled in me the value of a handwritten thank you card. I have no idea if they read it, but I knew I wouldn't be able to articulate it in spoken word while standing in front of them. <laughs> I told them that I had enjoyed seeing them in concert many times and that their music was playing the first night I met my husband and how we danced under the stars until 4 a.m. listening to their music. I told them that our first dance at our wedding was to their song, I Belong to You, Mon Coeur S'ouvre à ta voix. Matt smiled and with a giggle said, oh, really, it's a good thing you're not French. Philip and I pointed out that he is indeed a Quebecois and a native French speaker. Matt blushed and said, oh, sorry about my pronunciation. I hope you weren't offended too badly. We assured him that we had nothing but admiration for his efforts, and he wiped his brow and sighed with relief. I was completely blown away by his humility. Matthew Bellamy is nothing short of a bona fide rock god, and here he was apologizing for his pronunciation of a French in a song that means so much to me. I happen to know from reading the comments from some of the people on YouTube, something that you should avoid doing at all costs, by the way, that many people feel his French accent was subpar, but I think those people can kick rocks. Matt has a powerful yet smooth as velvet voice, virtuoso level piano playing talent. He consistently appears on top rock guitarist countdowns and is one of the most prophetic lyricists of all time. My point is, you can't expect the man to be perfect at everything. The rep from the record company said that I was there because I had won a contest and asked them if they would like to see my winning submission. She let me explain the premise of the radio contest, and as she was handing them my composition, I felt my face getting beet red. I wanted to tell them they didn't need to read it, and I wanted to grab it before it could reach their eyes, but my better judgment kept me from doing so. It was surreal to stand in front of my favorite band and watch as they read my story. I couldn't help but thinking that this must have been how Rembrandt's kid felt when he was handing his dad a finger painting. 
I'll read this for you now. It's my 150 word or less submission with 32 song titles. Despite feeling good about the madness she narrowly managed to escape, our heroine, the assassin, was agitated by the hysteria of the revolt she had been forced in. The aftermath of the glorious battle begins to take shape as drones invade the cave. Time is running out. She must lead the resistance in the uprising against the growing threat of megalomania in this city of delusion. With human survival dependent on her, she calls on the Knights of Sidonia to help stop this unnatural selection. Our heroine cries out, follow me, and the final battle begins. Like animals, they fight with the fury of a supermassive black hole. Reapers rush at them from all corners of the shrinking universe, but her army is invincible and offers no mercy to the psycho who created this space dementia. Their victory is long overdue, and they will never again be ruled by secrecy. They were smiling while reading, and after they finished, they each had incredibly nice things to say about it. My husband gave me a nudge and said, I told you it was good, and sadly, bad habits took over. I thought to myself, they must just be saying that because I'm standing here. Matt asked me if he could take a picture with it for their Instagram, and of course I said yes. The picture of Matt holding my story is there. The post now has over 43,000 likes and 250 comments, most of them complimentary with a few trolls thrown in there because, well, it's the internet. We took a few pictures with a band and that was that. The concert they played that night was by far my favorite all-time concert because I knew my husband and I were the two people in the audience that had just come from hanging out with the band backstage, even if it was ever so brief. Since they hadn't come out with an album recently, their set list was a sort of greatest hit show, which was incredible to have all of my favorites in one concert. I sang at the top of my lungs to every song, and it was just one of the greatest nights of my life. So now to answer the question of how winning a radio contest forever changed my outlook on life. That happened because I learned I needed to put myself out there. I learned that I'm good enough and that my writing and my voice is something that people want to listen to. I learned that going after what you want is vital to your personal growth and happiness. And it was the reason I started this podcast. I had been dreaming about it for months, but always thwarted my own efforts by telling myself, who cares what you have to say? I'm happy to say that the answer is you, my dear listener. And for that, I am forever grateful. Thank you for taking this journey with me and encouraging me along the way. I would also like to send a special thank you to Alan Neal of CBC's All in a Day for picking me for the contest and getting me to see Muse backstage. And I want to thank Muse for, of course, you know, just being Muse. I would love to invite you to follow me on all of the social media, the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram, at Pearls from My Mom. If you want to join my Facebook group, you can find the links on my website at pearlsformymom.com. Feel free to share this podcast with anyone you think would like it. And if you have questions, comments, or would like to be a part of the show, you can email me, Jessie, at pearlsfrommymom at gmail.com. I'm starting to record more episodes to be released each Friday, and I would be delighted if you would join me in sharing to keep the legacy alive.